Hello there, Divya here. Let's start with chapter 28 today. Kashi, Reborn and Discovered Please do not go into the water. Let us bathe by dipping our buckets. I was addressing the young Ranchi students who were accompanying me on an eight-mile hike to a neighboring hill. The pond before us seemed inviting but a distaste for it had arisen in my mind. Most of the boys began to dip their buckets, but a few lads yielded to the temptation of the cool waters. No sooner had they dived than large water snakes wiggled around them. What shrieks and splashes! What comical alacrity in leaving the pond! We enjoyed a picnic lunch after we had reached our destination. I sat under a tree surrounded by the boys. Finding me in an inspirational mood, they, they plied me with questions. Please tell me, sir, one youth inquired, if I shall always stay with you in the path of renunciation? Ah, no, I replied. You will be forcibly taken away to your home and later you will marry. Incredulous, he made a vermin protest. Only if I am dead could I be carried home. But in a few months, his parents arrived to take him. In spite of his tearful resistance, some years later, he did marry. After answering many questions, I was addressed by a lad named Kashi. He was about 12 years old, a brilliant student and beloved by all. Sir, he said, what will be my fate? You shall soon be dead. An irresistible power, it seemed, forced the words from my lips. The disclosure shocked and grieved me as well as everyone else. Silently rebuking myself as an infant terrible, I refused to answer further questions. On our return to the school, Kashi came to my room. If I die, will you find me when I am reborn and bring me again to the spiritual path? He asked amid sobs. I felt constrained to refuse this difficult occult responsibility. But for few weeks afterwards, Kashi pressed me dodgely. Seeing him unnerved to the breaking point, I finally consoled him. Yes, I promised. If the Heavenly Father lends his aid, I will try to find you. During the summer vacation, I started on a short trip. Regretting that I could not take Kashi with me before leaving, I called him to my room and carefully instructed him to remain against all persuasion in the spiritual vibrations of the school. Somehow, I felt that if he did not go home, he might avoid the impending calamity. No sooner had I left than Kashi's father arrived in Ranchi. For 15 days, he tried to break the will of his son, explaining that if Kashi could 
go to calcutta for only 4 days to see his mother he could return he could then return kashi persistently refused the father finally said he would take the boy away with the help of the police the threat disturbed kashi who was unwilling to be the cause of any unfavorable publicity to the school he saw no choice but to go i returned to ranchi a few days later when i heard how kashi had been removed i entertained at once for calcutta there i engaged a horse cab surprisingly as the vehicle passed beyond the howrah bridge over the ganges the first persons i saw were kashi's father and other relatives in mourning clothes shouting to my driver to stop i jumped the cab and landed the unfortunate father mr murderer i cried somewhat unreasonably you have killed my boy the father had already realized the wrong he had done forcibly bringing kashi to calcutta during the few days the boy had been there he had eaten contaminated food contracted cholera and passed on my love for kashi and the pledge to find him after death night and day haunted me no matter where i went his face loomed up before me i began i began a memorable search for him even as long ago i had searched for my last lost mother i felt that in as much as god had given me the faculty of reason i must utilize it and tax my powers to the utmost in order to discover discover the subtle laws by which i could know the boy's astral whereabouts he was a soul vibrating with unfulfilled desires i realized a mass of light floating somewhere amidst millions of luminous souls in the astral regions how was i to tune in with him among so many vibrating lights of other souls using a secret yoga technique i broadcasted my love to kashi's soul through the microphone of the spiritual eye the inner point between the eyebrows the will projected from the point between the eyebrows is the broadcasting apparatus of thought man's feeling or emotional power calmly concentrated on the heart enables it to act as the mental radio that receives the messages of other persons far or near in telepathy the fine vibrations of thoughts in one man's mind are transmitted through the subtle vibrations of the astral ether and then through the grosser earth, earthly ether creating electrical waves that in turn transform themselves into the thought waves in the mind of other person i intuitively felt that kashi would soon return to the earth and that if i kept unceasingly broadcasting my call to him his his soul would reply i knew that the slightest impulse sent to me by kashi would be felt in the nerves of my fingers arms and spine
Using my upraised hands as antenna, I often turned myself round and round, trying to discover the direction of the place in which I believed he had already been born as an embryo. I hoped to receive response from him in the con concentration-tuned radio of my heart. With undiminishing seal, I practiced the yoga method steadily for about six months after Kashi's death. Walking with a few friends one morning in the crowded, crowded Baobasar section of Calcutta, I lifted my hands in the usual manner. For the first time, there was response. I thrilled to direct electrical impulses trickling down my fingers and palms. These currents translated themselves into one overpowering thought from a deep recess of my consciousness. I am Kashi. I am Kashi. Come to me. The thought became almost audible as I concentrated on my heart radio. In the characteristic slightly hoarse whisper of Kashi, every soul in its pure state is omniscient. Kashi's soul remembered all the characteristics of Kashi, the boy, and therefore mimicked his hoarse voice in order to stir my recognition. I heard his summons again and again. I seized the arm of one of my companions, Prakoshdas, and smiled at him joyfully. It looks as though I have located Kashi. I began to turn round and round to the undisguised amusement of my friends and the passing throng. The electrical impulses tingled through my fingers only when I faced towards the nearby path, aptly named Serpentine Lane. The astral currents disappeared when I turned in other directions. Ah, I exclaimed. Kashi's soul must be living in the womb of some mother whose home is in this lane. My companions and I approached closer to the serpentine lane. The vibrations in my upraised hands grew stronger, more pronounced. As if by a magnet, I was pulled towards the right side of the road. Reaching the entrance of a certain house, I was astounded to find myself transfixed. I knocked at the door in a state of intense excitement, holding at my breath. I felt that my long and unusual quest had come to a successful end. The door was opened by a servant who told me her master was at home. He descended the stairway from the second floor and smiled at me inquiringly. I hardly knew how to frame my question, at once pertinent and impertinent. Please tell me, sir, if you and your wife have been expecting a child for about six months. Though many men after physical death remain in an astral world of 500 or 1000 years, there is no invariable rule about the length of time between incarnations. A man's allotted span in a physical or an astral embodiment is karmic, karmically predetermined. Death and indeed sleep 
the little dead are a mortal necessity, freeing the unenlightened human being temporarily from sense trammels. As man's essential nature is spirit, he receives in sleep and in death certain reviving reminders of his incorporeity. Yes, it is so. Seeing that I was a Swami, a renunciant uttered in the traditional orange cloth, he added politely, Pray inform me how you know my affairs. When he heard about Kashi and the promise I had given, the astonished man believed my story. A male child of fair complexion will be born to you, I told him. He will have a broad face with a cowlick atop his forehead. His disposition will be notably spiritual. I felt certain that the coming child would bear these resemblances to Kashi. Later, I visited the child whose parents have given him his old name, Kashi. Even in infancy, he was strikingly similar in appearance to my dear Ranchi student. The child showed me an instantaneous affection. The attraction of the past awoke with redoubled intensity. Years later, the teenage boy wrote to me, during my stay in America, he explained his deep longing to follow the path of a renunciant. I directed him to a Himalayan master who accepted as a disciple the reborn, reborn Kashi. The equilibrating law of karma as expounded in the Hindu scriptures is that of action and reaction, cause and effect, sowing and reaping. In the course of natural righteousness, each man by his thoughts and actions becomes the molder of his destiny. Whatever universal energies he himself wisely or unwisely has set in motion must return to him as the starting point, like a circle inexorably completing itself. The world looks like a mathematical equation which, turn it how you will, balances itself. Every secret is told, every crime is punished, every virtue rewarded, every wrong redressed in silence and certainty. An understanding of karma as the law of justice underlying life's inequalities serves to free the human mind from resentment against God and man. So here ends chapter 28. Thanks for listening.